If you would, at this time, please open up with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. While you're opening up there, by way of introduction, some of you uh, might be wondering, what, are, are we in the Christmas sermon series still, or are we in a different sermon series? But he's in Matthew 2, and he's just kind of continuing to go. What's the deal? And well, it's just too good to pass up, especially if I'm going to be gone for a few Sundays. I'm, I'm going to be here next Sunday, but gone. I thought we might just continue to see what God has for us in these, uh, uh, these kind of Bible passages that are sometimes lost. As we look at Matthew 2 and say, we love it, we love it, we love it. And then Matthew 3 is just gone, but it's so powerful. And that's what we're going to see today. It's actually uh, kind of in line, surprise, surprise, with what I was praying because I've been thinking about this Bible text. And so it's kind of in my brain. But we see here something very interesting. Uh, we see Jesus' baptism. And uh, these Bible verses, if you look, it's just uh, verses 13 through 17. You're thinking, Jeremiah must be slipping. Where are the 70 Bible verses that he usually reads? You know, it, it's because this is like 70 times 7 Bible verses that we have right here. If you've never noticed this, think about it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all here tangibly represented in, these Bible in this Bible text. Look around in the rest of Scripture to see where you might find the fullness of God revealed. In just a Bible verse. And now we get to preach on it here in just a few minutes. And so uh, we're going to pray that God would reveal to us uh, what he has. Because there's a lot there. Uh, this is one of those Bible verses where uh, you could kind of keep going. Uh, there are uh, famous preachers who have uh, preached whole sermon series on the same passages. This is one of those. But I'm not going to do that. We've got just one. And here's our main point. Jesus' baptism reveals the salvation process, okay, which prepares his people on earth for humble service unto God. So this baptism that Jesus enters into, it reveals the salvation process, and this does something for us, those followers of God. As we see salvation, we then begin to see how it is we might humbly serve God in the process. Let's pray, and then we'll read this Bible passage. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, use this word powerfully in our hearts. Convict us of our sin. Comfort us in the gospel. And Lord, as we move from this place, help us to praise you all the more, to serve you all the more, and to see not only our lives changed, but our families' lives changed, our neighbors' lives changed, everyone around us as we share a word. Help us and give us such things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, 
This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, this word, it remains forever. We'll have it in our pocket as we walk through the pearly gates. And so thanks be to God for something lasting in this world full of things that do not last. Now remember, this main point that we'll see today is that Jesus' baptism reveals the salvation process which prepares his people on earth, us right now, to humbly serve God and his church. Two points will get us there. First is that perfection is seen here serving and saving. And number two, perfection is certified. So we see perfection serving and saving in verses 13 through 15. And we can get at this point, this service and this saving, by answering the question of why John the Baptist hesitated. Why did John hesitate when Jesus came to him? Jesus has come in his way desiring to be baptized. And John gets cold feet. John the Baptist gets cold feet. Why? The answer lies in John's understanding of who Jesus is. From the beginning, John's ministry and proclamation centered around preparation for the coming of Jesus. And so Jesus is entering in now, and John has been preparing everyone around him. If you wanted to summarize John's ministry in one word, it would be this. Repent! Okay? That's the one word that would summarize John the Baptist's ministry. Repent. John the Baptist, his baptism was one of repentance. In other words, and remember what repentance means, his call to those listening around him was to turn away from their sin. And remember, if you recall the definition of repentance, to not only turn away from sin, but then to turn towards God. And so it's not just saying, oopsie, sorry, I sinned. No, that's not it yet. John was pushing the envelope a little bit and saying, no, you turn, but is that it? Where's your heart at? What are you doing? Are you moving towards God? Are you a child of God like you say you are? Or are you just saying it just to say it? And who do you think that's giving you any street cred with to begin with? John the Baptist's ministry was one of repentance. And this reveals an important distinction that we might see actually between a comparison of John the Baptist and Jeremiah the preacher. Uh, John's baptism ministry is different from Jeremiah's baptism ministry. This is a very important point. Jesus' command at the end of the Gospel of Matthew is to go and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This was a transition of the covenant promise that had always been and that has been physically represented from the very beginning. This baptism that is for Christians and their families, to quote the Apostle Peter, is a continuation of the circumcision of male children in the Old Testament. The physical representation of God's blessing and promise bestowed upon his people. You know, I was mentioning as a baby, you know, right? How do you bathe yourself? You don't. 
all right? You can't throw a baby in the bathtub. That's crazy, right? You're the one who has to hold that baby and make sure that you wash and clean that child. You can never do something like that. They can't even lift their head up. They are helpless without, for instance, a father holding them or a mother holding them, a parent who is caring. And that is a real representation of, of what we get from, uh, from the Christian, from the Trinitarian baptism that Jesus gave us as a covenant throughout time until his return again. Now, notice this here, coming back to John's baptism ministry, it was preparing people to see Jesus who would offer such things. And forcing people, if you recall what I said, to ask the question, do the words of my mouth, uh, uh, do they match the actions of my hands and, and of my heart? John's baptism ministry was one of repentance. It did not hold the full covenantal gospel promise of Jesus's to come. It was a strong call to turn away from sin. It was a preparation of, of what the people needed to be thinking about spiritually to come into the fold of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit was piercing hearts through John's strong ministry. But this is also why John hesitated because John understood exactly who Jesus is, perfection incarnate. How could he, that is John the Baptist, that is John the Baptist, the, the, repent, uh, the repenting baptism, how could this John, the one whose ministry surrounded a turn away from your sin and go towards God, how could this John baptize Jesus into such a baptism when Jesus needed no repentance to begin with? when there was no sin to be found in him. John hesitates. Wait a second. I think he, he doesn't say, I think you've got it wrong. He says, I think I've got it wrong. I, 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 think, I think I need to be the one, you know, maybe you could take over or something. I, I don't know. You know he, he, he pauses, he hesitates. And, and then Jesus does something. He illuminates as he always does. Because Jesus' baptism reveals the salvation process. What does he tell John when, when you have that hesitation in verse 14? Don't, don't I need to be baptized by you? And you're coming to me? Verse 15, Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And as these words are spoken to John, it says he consented. Okay, I think I see Jesus didn't need to repent of his own sin. Jesus is perfect. He was then and he is now. But his people needed to repent then and they still need to be repenting now. The salvation process has always been one of substitution. Jesus has come to fulfill all righteousness, not for himself, but for his people. This is the mechanics of the gospel itself, where Jesus takes something and he gives something. As Jesus is coming and he's seeking this baptism 
from John into repentance, he is substituting himself into place of we who should have been going to John from the first place, and we haven't been. And so Jesus steps into the gap, and he takes that which we aren't doing, our sin and our unrepentance, our immorality and all of the like, and he takes it. And he says, I will repent for my people. Moreover, I'll take it all on their behalf. And so he takes from us our sin. And then as he marches in his ministry, this is the start, right? This is when they say the start of Jesus' formal public ministry. What's the trajectory? It's right to the cross. It's right to his crucifixion. And what does he do there? He gives his people his own righteousness. He takes their sin and he pays for it on the cross. He gives his own perfection. And as we see this great exchange, we begin to see the mechanics of the good news. Because now, believe it or not, whether we will or not, we could come before God the Father in faith through Jesus Christ and stand on our own two feet, and God the Father would look us in the eye and say, good job, son or daughter, you've done it. You lived a perfect life. How offensive to my own, even me, as I'm proclaiming it, as I seek to ingest the word, it feels wrong for God to do something so huge. And yet he does it. He takes our sin and he gives us righteousness. And because of that, we find perfect relationship with God where those prayers about God providing and God sustaining and God keeping, where those prayers about all of the blessings that we receive, they come through Jesus, but they come right to us, those who believe. That is the gospel of Jesus. And we see it start here in the baptism where Jesus willingly substitutes himself and says, I will enter here where my people won't go and I will go right to the cross to pay all that which they need to pay. I'll take it all and I will pay for it. It doesn't stop there though. That would be enough. But God shows us more because Jesus' baptism reveals the salvation process. And it shows him serving and saving uh, uh, on our behalf, on, on his people's behalf. But, but it also does something else. It shows, and this is our second point, perfection, Jesus certified. Verses 16 and 17. Now, certification matters. Uh, who certifies what and how? That's all very important. For instance, uh, Ed's not here. Uh, Ed Campbell, he's an elder who's rotated off. Our very own Happy Butcher. It's a, a butcher shop that he owns. Happy Butcher. If he advertised his meat as Ed Campbell certified, I guarantee you his business would plummet. Ed Campbell certified doesn't mean anything. And even though Ed is highly trustworthy and I would believe in his certification, he's not the one who has been charged to certify his given meat selection. Who certifies what and how they certify it is very important. I'll pick on another elder. He's here. 
Eric Moody. He'll appreciate this. I've tried to do it, and he just says the state won't let him get away with it. If I came over to a construction site of his, Eric's in the construction business, and I looked it over, and I told him, yep, I certify this job as well done. Good job, Eric. Everything looks smooth as silk. Look at that road. Mm, looking good. I even kind of kicked the road a little. That's solid. That's a solid road. Thank you. It wouldn't get him anywhere. It just doesn't matter if I certify his work. He might feel better about himself or something. But who certifies what and how they do it is very important. And so Jesus is baptized. And as soon as his head breaches the water, the Holy Spirit drops on him visibly. God the Father speaks audibly and as these things are happening a certification like no other on earth takes place where God in his fullness says yes this is right you substitute for my people I certify it to be true Jesus's baptism reveals the salvation process. And moreover, it is certified by God in his fullness as the Father gives his commendment, as the Spirit shows the blessing, and as the Son willingly goes, God in his fullness says yes and amen to the good news, the salvation and redemption of us, his people. And even here, in the process of certification also comes revelation because God the Father, for our benefit, uses specific words that we would do well not to pass over. It's a combination of two Old Testament prophecies and promises. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1 says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Now from Matthew chapter 3, he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to what? To rest on him. And again, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. A combination of two very important promises in the Old Testament. God certifying upon certification the reality of the revelation of what Jesus was going to be about, which was to be the king, the one over all nations, Psalm 2, who would also be the servant, the one under all nations, Isaiah 42. Culminating, by the way, in Isaiah 53, if you remember that, the man of no repute. Jesus is coming. His baptism reveals the salvation process because it shows Jesus serving and saving and certified to do the work. And it's this same salvation process that's revealed here that prepares us here in this sanctuary for humble service. Where are our hearts at? Jesus is the king. Don't think that Jesus didn't know that he was the king here. 
Jesus, with a willingness, came to be baptized into what would be for him a baptism of humiliation. I come to repent for sin. You have no sin, I understand. It would be like me coming into court and saying, uh, Judge, I have been speeding. So you don't have a ticket. I want to pay for this man's ticket right here. <laughs> what? Substitution. It's the gospel, right? Uh, it, it seems ludicrous. And Jesus enters into it for us because he doesn't care what he looks like. He cares about us, his people. And so now for us in the sanctuary, what do we do? And how do we move forward with it? As we believe in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is the one who's doing that. He's giving us the gift of faith. It's been ordained by God the Father, but the verses I'm, I'm mentioning are Ephesians chapter 2. And God does more. As we believe, we know from the word that this God who is saving is also preparing good works for us to do. But what are they? And have you been doing them? And does that make you feel uncomfortable? Because it shouldn't. We should be about something. And that something should be very biblical. But we don't know what that something is necessarily yet. We had a mention of Harvest Hope. We are a people who love to eat. That's not wrong. What can we do with that food? Who can we invite in? Who can we bring? We have a bus stop not a block away from us. And yet we've never been down the street to say hi. We have a church plant not two blocks away from us in the ARP. And yet we haven't been down to say hi in a while. What can we do? And what does it mean? Where are you? How can we bring that into the church? These are things in the new year that we must be thinking of. For as Jesus came to humbly save and to humbly serve his people, we now, like our Savior, have a desire, if we are confessing in his name, a heartfelt desire to do something. And so, as a church, that's the prayer. Remember, I asked you, we need to pray. We need to pray. What should we be doing and how? Well, uh, how many blocks is it to USC? Not very many. We've got CIU representation. What does a college ministry look like? What does it look like to care for people? Because we are a caring people, warm, but we haven't exhibited it yet to those that are around us. I think that now's the time. COVID, yeah, whatever. Now's the time. It's this moment, right? We got to be safe. Of course, but everybody has been frozen in society, but we don't have to be frozen. We can be safe and we can proclaim the word even with our hands as we do solid work and we don't forget our people. How can we help others to see that we don't forget our shut-ins, that we don't forget our people if they find themselves in nursing homes, that it's a tragedy when that happens and that we will not stand by such things and that we will move forward in the safety, of course, of what it is we should be doing, but in the strength as well of the gospel of Jesus because our hearts have been changed. Therefore, our hands have been changed. Therefore, our minds have been changed. We've got to do it, though. We can't stand frozen in 2021. We've got to move and breathe and have our being in the Lord God who is saving and exhibiting such salvation, even from what we would say the beginning 
of Jesus's ministry. Isn't it incredible? The beginning of Jesus's ministry shows us the fullness of salvation for us and beyond. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for the same gospel. And God, as we rest in such things and promise and truth, God, keep us and preserve us and help us to have strong and purposeful action, not to save ourselves, but to show how we have been saved. God, you are a saving God. You are a working God. And in this, we praise you, even now, in Jesus' name, amen.